So in part one of our series, I shared with you three self-justification stories from my life. And in all of those cases, I was telling you reasons why I convinced myself that I was either doing the right thing, or if I knew I wasn't doing the right thing, I at least had a good reason to explain why I did what I did. And so that was a good example of what we talked about last week, admitting our mistakes, our sins, and agreeing about what, with God about what he says about them. That's what confession is. We confess our sins. And if we agree with God about our sins, if we confess our sins, then what does God do? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Did anyone take that challenge to memorize that verse? You know that verse. If I would ask you right now, you'd be able to say it, right? Someone. There we go. All right. Yes, somebody did. You need to know that verse. I'm telling you. I'll keep saying that for the rest of my life. You need to know that verse. You need to be able to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and tell yourself that verse. You need that. You need that in your life. That's 1 John 1, 9. It's that spiritual practice of confession, of identifying our sins, the, the sin that we commit, the, the choices that we make that are wrong and go against God, the choices that we don't make, that we should have made. We should have done the right thing, but we didn't. And then there's just like this general struggle of like, I want to do the right thing, but I don't, and I don't do what I want to do, and it's just like, God, help me. Because all of these choices layer up. They build up in our life over years, over all these choices. And what confession does is it helps us dig through all of those layers. And those layers, if we don't deal with them, they impact our life. They, they completely overwhelm our life. They impact your relationship with God, your relationship with other people, your relationship with your coworkers. It just controls your life and confession allows God to forgive you of all of that and to cleanse you of it. And that's really a remarkable thing that I think we all take for granted. That you and me, we just get to talk to the creator God of the universe whenever we want to. And like he will forgive you. Like that's remarkable. That's amazing. And it's not because you did anything right. It's because that is who God is, and he is faithful to his promise. He's faithful to what he says he will do, and he is going to do it. He's going to forgive us, and he's going to cleanse us, and that is amazing. And, and you just go right to him. You talk directly to God. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a church. You don't need anybody. It's just you and God. It's your relationship and God. And that's really an amazing fact about the gospel. Like you can slide in and out of a church service with hundreds of people or thousands of people and feel like your relationship with God was deeply impacted because it probably was. It's why you can watch church online. You can read a book. You can go for a hike in the woods. You can study your Bible on the beach. I mean, is there a better place to study your Bible than on the beach? Come on, somebody, right? You can do all sorts of things to strengthen your relationship with God. 
And if you talk to him, if you confess your sins to him, then he's going to forgive you and he's going to cleanse you. You're thinking like, it's just me and God against the world. I don't need nobody else. But that's where I'm afraid most Christians live their life. And if someone is not a Christian, I think that's where they most likely live their life too, in such an individualistic way. Like they think that if I just figure this out, then my life will be better. I can make things right. If I just learn how to do this one thing in my life better, then like I'll feel better about my life. That's how I think most people in our culture, in our world, operate. But if we, if you, if I are going to follow Jesus, a Christian cannot follow Jesus in isolation. A Christian cannot obey God all by themselves. Like, it's literally impossible. Did you know that? It's literally impossible to follow Jesus, to grow in your relationship with God, to get better at doing what God wants you to do all by yourself. It's literally impossible because God has given us in his scriptures, in the New Testament specifically, 59 commandments that you, as a follower of Jesus, must do. 59 things that you must do if you're going to follow Jesus, obey Jesus, grow in your ability to do it. And all of those 59 things require it to happen with somebody else. 59 one another commands in the scriptures for a follower of Jesus to live into, which are literally impossible to do if you're by yourself. So, why did I tell you about my self-justification stories two weeks ago? Like, why did you, out of all people, you, come on, have the privilege of hearing such vulnerable, real things in my life? Like, that stuff is really between me and God. You don't have anything to do with it. Plus, it's probably not exactly what you want to hear, that your pastor blamed other people about this situation when he was dating this girl in high school. He blamed his friend for not showing up. And it, it, was, it was his friend's fault that I decided that I was going to disrespect my high school girlfriend's rules and her family's rules. It was my friend's fault. Like, you don't want to know that. You don't want to know your pastor blamed other people for his choices. And you probably, you probably didn't really want to know either that your pastor dated two girls in college at the same time for a short period of time. Like, you don't want to know that. You don't want to know that I lied to these girls about what was happening on our homecoming date on our sophomore year, and we both, all three of us, showed up at the same time. You don't want to know that. You don't want to know that I lied about what was happening Lied to myself, lied to them. You don't want to know that. And if, if you need more context on those stories, I encourage you to go back and listen to my sermon from two weeks ago. 
Um, I explain it a lot more because, yes, you don't want to know that. So, so why did I tell you? Right, that's the question. Like, why did I tell you that? And I think some of the reason is, is because I have already confessed them to God. I've already acknowledged that I was wrong, and I believe that God has forgiven me. And so, now, to illustrate what it means to confess our sins to God, I thought I'd use that as an illustration, and I confessed my sins to you. And so I confessed my sins to you, and I'm wondering, I did it, so who's next? Are you next? You know, last week, last week we ended our service, right, with spending several minutes confessing our sins to God. You know, we made this, a pow- it was a powerful time. And so I thought we'd end our service today, but not by confessing our sins to God, because that was so last week. We're going to confess our sins to each other today at the end of the service. So I hope you're ready. And don't be scared. Don't be scared. You can do it. Okay, be, be a little scared. But no, we're not going to do that. So you can all take a big breath, okay? It's like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do it. I don't want you to feel more uncomfortable than you already are, right? But I did, I did want you to feel what came up inside of you just a moment ago. I have to tell somebody my sins, and I'm going to have to do it in like 20 minutes? Right, what, what was that feeling? Right, what, what came up inside of you, that fear, that anxiety, that doubt, the shame? Whatever, whatever you want to call that, right? And I know you know that feeling. We all know that feeling. You know it all too well. And I want to tell you today that so do I. So do I. And so one of the reasons, one of the big reasons that I think I was able to share what I shared about my dating episodes in my high school and college years is because you aren't the first person I'm telling these things to. Because 15 years ago, if you would have told me or asked me, hey, Kevin, who have you told about your relationship with your high school girlfriend? You know what my answer was? Absolutely nobody. Because there is no way on God's green earth I'm ever telling anybody about this. No way. No possible way. I even, I even went on a missions trip to Utah. I spent a week in Utah my, after my freshman year of college. I came back, and like all our missionaries at the church did, I gave a report after the, my trip, about my trip. And I I told him all about my trip, and I wanted to tell him all the stuff I had learned about Mormonism and the difference of what that is with Mormonism and Christianity, and I explained all of this. And I had several people come up to me after that presentation, and they said, Kevin, you learned so much about Mormonism in a week. It's incredible. And I told them, yes, I did. 
and moved on as quickly as possible because there was no way in God's green earth I was ever going to tell him that I was dating a Mormon girl in high school for two years. I just said it to you, and, I, and you, and you, and you heard that too? So I can tell it to you now. And so the question is, what changed? How can I tell you all something now that there was a time in my life where literally nobody could hear? What changed? What changed? I did some thinking about what changed. Just wrote a couple ideas down. What changed is, is that doesn't hold power over me anymore like it used to. The shame of it doesn't punish me like it used to. The fear of what other people might think doesn't scare me like it used to. Pretending like everything's fine when it's clearly not is something I've learned needed to die a long time ago. And taking responsibility for my sin, confessing it to God and others, and finding forgiveness and healing as a result of that is so much better than trying to deal with it on my own. That's what's changed. But it took me two years <laughs> to figure this out in high school, right? Two years of carrying around a secret that literally I was protecting with my life. And some of these statements that I came up with have taken me a lot longer than two years to live into, and I continue to have to preach them to myself over and over again to tell myself that these things are true, these things are important. And so these things, like these things change for me but how did I get there? How? How did we do this? How can I tell you about this now? And I think one of the reasons, one of the most powerful reasons, is because we have a great promise from God. That's one of the reasons why. And the promise is found in James chapter 5, verse 16. And the promise is this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Like, if you want freedom from your sin, if you want healing and a healthy perspective on your life, there is no getting around what you must do. Like, this is how. This is how you do it. You can't do it any other way. This is how. And I know the pain of hiding. I know the pain of trying to figure it out all by myself. I know the pain of pretending. I know the pain of sharing a message in front of hundreds of people and hiding where it all came from. And I'm telling you today that I can point back to a specific time in my life where I was sitting across the table at Friendly's with a man whom I trusted as the place where God started to heal me. It's not the only thing. If you've been around Connect Us Church the last couple years, 
you've met some of my friends in the Adams Road ministry. God used them along my journey to help heal me. And there's been other people too. But nothing set me free like confessing my sin to my youth pastor at Friendly's that day. And many of you have met this man because he's been around here and he's connected and, and interacted with a lot of you, even to this day, right? So that's a lot about my life. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about a time, if you were to tell me right now, not that you have to, but tell me a time in your life when you obeyed this command in the scriptures. And when, you, and when God kept his promise to bring healing to you. Like, where were you? Like, physically, where were you? What sin did you confess? And then, how has God healed you since then? Where were you? What sin did you confess? And how has God healed you since then? I want you to answer that question as simply, as clearly as you can. And once you got it in your head, I just want you to say, thank you, God. Like, thank you, God, and worship him right there in your seat. Because that moment of confession is a holy moment. It is a holy moment. And maybe, maybe you don't have a specific memory like that. Just ask God to give you the courage to make it happen. Because here's my assumption, and I could be wrong, but here's my assumption, is that a lot of us, a lot of us, aren't quite sure where to even start with this whole thing. <laughs> like, you're saying to me, all right, come on, Kevin, you were 18 years old. And of course, telling your youth pastor makes total sense. And it was just dating. I mean, come on. I'm a lot older than that. I've done a million times things worse than that. And I don't really have an obvious person to talk to about it all. Plus, who in their right mind would listen to me? I know. I get it. I get it. And that's really why I'm preaching the message the way that I'm preaching it today. Because I could tell you this over and over and over again. I could read this verse to you over and over and over again. I could tell you that God commands you to do this. Do it. And some of you might actually want to do it because you're like, I want to do what God tells me to do and I'm going to, I'm going to try and do it. You just don't know how. You don't know how. And the weight that has been put on you over years and years and years is not going to go away because a pastor said so. So I just want you to feel it. I want you to feel it. Like, like if I just maybe start to deal with the real me, 
Not the pretend me, like I've been putting on a show for so long, but the real me. Then maybe, maybe, just maybe, I can trust somebody with the real me. Maybe for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time. And so this, this confession thing is not a once-and-done thing, right? <laughs> Remember how we said last week that confessing our sins to God is actually evidence of our growing relationship with God? Like, you confess more, not less. you got to confess more. And so, remember I told you that dating two girls at one time, uh, dating two girls at one time story during my sophomore year of high school, or sophomore year of college? I had learned the power of confession the year before. And so the following year, I'm sitting on the couch of a couple who lived down the road from the college where I was living uh, at the time, and I was talking to them, this couple, about the real me. And for some reason, they let me come over on Wednesday nights to watch American Idol. <laughs> and we'd talk. And we'd talk about me dating two girls at one time situation. And that couple prayed with me through that. They walked with me through that. They guided me through that. And many of you have met this couple today because they've been around here and they've recently moved and we don't see them as often, but we went to go visit them and we still talk to them like to this day a lot. So back to that question that I said earlier, how can I tell you about my self-justification stories? How can I confess my sin to you? How can I do it? I think I can do it because I've already done it before. God brought these trusted people into my life, and I took their invitation to be my real self with them. And I confessed to them, and we prayed together, and God used that in my life in incredible ways. So there's stuff going on inside of me right now that I would never tell you here. Imagine that, right? I'm not going to tell you. But I need to constantly preach this message to myself over and over again because I need to turn to the trusted people in my life that God has brought into my life where I can be my real self with them and confess my sin to them so that they can pray for me and I can be healed. And sometime later, if you ask me, hey, Kevin, what were you confessing on February 19th, 2023? I'll probably tell you because of this promise. If we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other, we will be healed. So there's, a, there's another, another key to finding the courage to do this. And I think this key can be found in the context of the verses that, this verse that we're exploring today. And the context of this verse is James is giving us, the brother of Jesus, is giving us these specific kind of thoughts and commands about prayer. And so this is what he tells us about the power of prayer, which I think will give us the courage to do this very scary thing. He says, are, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? 
you should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer, offered in faith, will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So the these verses are, are kind of confusing. The, the idea of elders and oil and praying for the sick and being healed has many different interpretations across the Christian landscape. It's, it's a lot. But I think the main thing that James is saying here is that there is great power in prayer, even for the physical things that we deal with. And there's great power in community when other people pray for you. So will, will God always heal you if you call the elders to pray for you and anoint you with oil? Will, will God always heal you? No, of course not. But doing so is a way to express your faith in God and to leave your health in his hands. And sometimes God uses this to heal you, and sometimes he chooses not to. But either way, we are praying and trusting God in community with one another and each other. And that's what this is all about. (laughs) Like, it's not about, hey, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith. Like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? I'm sorry if anyone's ever said that to you. Because we need each other to help each other trust God together. And God's going to do what he does. There's another confusing aspect of this verse. And that, it's at the the end of that. If you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. It's like, there's a connection, somewhat of a connection between physical illness and sin. And sometimes there is. In the first century, that that connection was very, like, closer connection than we understand it today. But in any case, right, prayer with trusted people in our life, God uses in incredible ways in our life. And so prayer, the power of prayer, because what comes next is our verse, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I really want you to experience the healing that comes through this, not not physical healing, but wholeness, soul transformation. I want you to experience the power of one anothering, of being real and honest with one another in a safe, judgment-free place where we are in this together to help each other and say, hey, I don't know all that's happening. I'm not here to fix it. I'm just here for you. And I'm going to pray for you. That, my friends, is powerful. And you know, I've never been to a recovery meeting, an NA meeting or an AA meeting, although I hope to go one day very soon, actually, because I hear what is powerful. It's powerful what happens in those meetings. And some of you have been there before, and you have experienced exactly what I'm about to say. Like, you know the power of this. Like, you, out of all the people, 
know what it means to follow and obey this verse probably more than anybody else. Because you've experienced this about how you can be real with a group of people without the fear of criticism or being dismissed or diminished. And those that haven't dealt with these kind of addictions should really learn from you. Like, I should, you know, be learning from you because we all have our various habits and hang-ups and addictions to something. Like, some of us are addicted to being right all of the time. We're addicted to hiding things. We're addicted to pretending like we have it all together. And so we have a lot to learn from our friends in recovery that are dealing with a lot of hard things, and they are real with each other. So how do you find the strength? This is the, right? How do you find the strength to do this? Right? How, do you, how do you confess your sins to each other? What can you do? Well, I think a big thing that will give you the courage, the strength to do it is pray. Ask God for it. Talk to God about it. Because James tells us that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And you're like, who is that? I don't know anybody like that. That's not me. Earnestly praying, righteous person? I don't know anybody like that. And James is like, all right, all right, I hear you. I hear you. There's a guy in the scriptures, his name was Elijah. He was a human, just like we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky went down, the sky sent down rain. And the earth began to yield its crops. James is like, there's this guy, Elijah. He was just a human, just like you and me. Like, if he could do it, you can do it. If he can do it, come on, you can do it. You got this. Just talk to God. Just pray. Just be earnest. Be real. Be honest. Depend on God. Seek to live for him. Do it in community with other people. It's going to produce wonderful results. You can do this. You got this. And this is why, this is this whole message, this is why we value some important relational things here at Connect Us Church. Like we say, one of our values is that we are developing authentic relationships. We value that. And if you want to explain that a little bit more, the explanation is we say we engage in small groups of people to build quality relationships where they are able to share their stories, pray, and encourage one another. Like, that is who we are, and that is what we do. And then we've got another value. Another value that goes hand in hand with this first one. And that value is having fun. Because having fun authenticates forgiveness, the key component of lasting relationships. Try having fun with somebody you haven't forgiven. <laughs> it's impossible. And here's the thing, if we are our real, true, honest selves, we are going to hurt people in our life. We are going to let people down. We are going to say things we shouldn't have said. And so I so much want us all to get this right. I, I really do. Like some of you are going to leave here today and you're going to be like, all right, I'm going to take this command from Scripture to confess my sins to each other, and I'm going to do it. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually do it. And you're going to take a huge risk. And you're going to do it. And the other person who hears your confession, I hope this doesn't happen, but they're going to sin against you. Like, it's not right, it's not okay, it's not, it's not fine at all, but sometimes it might just happen. And that is why we must forgive each other. And actually, this is another one of those one another commands in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, forgive one another. If we are going to follow Jesus, if we are growing, going to grow in our faith, and follow Jesus more closely, then we must forgive each other. We must do it. Which means, <laughs> which means, if we must forgive each other, then we must actually be in relationship close enough with somebody where we have the opportunity to forgive them. Like, I just can't walk around this room and like, I forgive you, 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 right? That is a... That's so weird, and it's, it's like offensive to go up to the random person and be like, I forgive you. They're like, what? Right? In order for us to follow Jesus, to obey his commands, to obey his command, to forgive one another, we must actually be in relationship close enough with somebody where we can make it happen. But we think that if we just avoid stuff and always be right, then we're following Jesus. It's like, no, you're not. You're pretending, and nothing good comes from that. But if you're close with somebody, if you're real with somebody, honest with somebody, one of these days, they're going to hurt you, or you're going to hurt them, and we must then obey God's command to forgive one another. And there's another, there's another one, another command in the scriptures, and that's in Galatians chapter 6, uh, 6, 2, Galatians 6, 2, which is the command to bear one another's burdens. And it's another one of those commands where I can't obey God if I don't know what burden you're carrying, because I can't help you carry it. And you can't obey God if you don't know what other people's burdens are that they're carrying. We have to let people know what is going on in our life. As a community of Jesus followers, this is what we do. We must share what is happening so that we can obey Jesus and do these one another commands. We must be able to share what's keeping us up at night, what's weighing on our heart. And if you don't tell anybody, then no one can bear the weight of it with you. And if we can't do that, then we can't obey the scriptures in this one another command, right? It is literally, remember, it is literally impossible to follow Jesus by yourself. We need each other. We need real, authentic relationships where we share real stuff and help each other, pray for each other, and come alongside each other. And that is where real life change happens. And it usually doesn't happen in an environment like this, where everyone's kind of sitting in rows, looking one direction. It happens in circles, looking at other people, sharing with other people. In here, I can give you stuff to think about. 
I can provoke questions in your heart, give you insights into the word of God. I can inspire you. But to actually do it, you must have people in your life to walk with you. It requires trusting people to work through it with you. Just listening to something isn't going to transform your life. Content consumption doesn't change your life. You can learn stuff by consuming content. You can consume an incredible amount of content. We have more content today than ever in the history of the world. You can read any book you want. You can listen to anybody talk about anything you want. You could get a lot of knowledge from listening and learning. But real life change comes through one anothering, by carrying one another's burdens, by forgiving one another, and yes, even confessing your sins to each other and praying for each other. And this church is messy. People are more messed up than you think they are. Can I get an amen, right? <laughs> and that is why it is so important to believe that we can come to Jesus just as we are. Because if we have to come any other way, ain't nobody ever coming to Jesus. You gotta come as you are. But he loves you way too much to leave you there. And that's the gospel. It's acceptance with an agenda. It's a no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you come, you follow Jesus, and we walk through this thing together. We pray with each other together. We trust God together that God is going to do some radical transformation in your life. I believe that. And so, if you need help doing this, taking a baby step to do this, let me know. I can share with you when our small groups meet. You can join a, 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 a group after the service. You can go to our first step group in theater number six today. You can schedule a coffee with somebody. And if you want to do that with me, I'm available. I'd love to meet with you and talk. But whatever you do, I'm telling you, whatever you do, don't move on from this. Don't just hear it and do nothing with it. Confess your sins to each other. Do it. Pray for each other. Do it so that we can be healed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word, for the challenge that a simple command that you give us brings into our life. And Lord, as I, I sit here today, I just, I just want to pray for, for the one person today that you are just speaking to in such a powerful way, and they're scared to death to do this, but they know they have to. God, I pray that you would be with them in this moment, that you would not let them forget 
the conviction that they have in their heart and in their soul that they must obey this command, that they must do this, that they have to do this. Because everything is going to attack. Everything is going to come fast. Everything is going to try to detract and distract and convince. Lord, I pray that they would do not lose the conviction that you've given them. And that you would give them the courage to take those steps. That you would be with them every step of the way. That they would be praying to you, trusting in you, relying on you. Lord, when they are scared and shaking to pick up their phone and to text somebody or call somebody and say, hey, could you get together with me? Lord, that you would just be the one to press those buttons. That you would just be the one to give them the courage to, to do that. And Lord, when they make that appointment, when they set up that time and they have to get in their car and drive somewhere, Lord, I pray that you'd be the one to guide them every step of the way as they get out of the car and enter into that coffee shop or wherever it is, Lord, that you would just give them the strength that they wouldn't even really realize, how did I even get here? Like, God, you're, you're leading them in such a real, specific way. And when the time comes to, you know, quit the small talk and say, hey, I really need to tell you something, God, that you would be the one that would just speak on their behalf that you would give them the, the courage to be their real self, to be so honest and vulnerable, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. And just, God, may that be your power and your strength working in their life. And Lord, I pray, I pray so specifically for this person today because I believe that there is great healing that is gonna come. That's your promise to us, God that there is great healing, that I can't even comprehend it, that you want to do in their soul and in their heart. And God, I just, I want to see that happen. I want them, they need it so bad. And so Lord, I pray that you would do this, that you would lead them, that you would guide them, that you would empower them and strengthen them, and that they would experience what it means to be forgiven and what it means to be healed. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.